Have you ever seen Michael Crawford on a cereal box? He was the Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. Now my mom, she's seen that musical 27 times and she put Michael Crawford's picture in our refrigerator. Yeah, not on it, in it. So my point is if you play basketball, you're gonna end up on the cereal box. If you sing in musicals, you're gonna end up in my mom's refrigerator. Welcome to the graveyard slot, where we talk about movies past their prime time. Here, we revisit old favorites with a fresh perspective to see if they deserve more credit or if they should stay buried. I'm Sarah. And I'm Sohini. And today, we're talking about High School Musical. High School Musical is a 2006 movie about a group of high schoolers who have an existential breakdown when they realize <laughs> that people can have more than one hobby. <laughs> Basketball player Troy meets Gabriella and experiences the start of something new. With a growing interest in singing, he has trouble keeping his head in the game. And he and Gabriella end up auditioning for the high school musical. But the rest of the school is enraged and wants to stick to the status quo, particularly Sharpay, who wants to bop to the top. However, Troy and Gabriella are determined to break free of these arbitrary pigeonholes. And the movie follows their efforts as they strive to remind everyone that they're all in this together. Wow. <laughs> you have written a masterpiece. That was great. But jokes aside, High School Musical actually became the most commercially successful Disney Channel original movie ever produced. And it was also the first DCOM to have a theatrical sequel. So it was pretty groundbreaking for its time. For any time, I would think. The movie was directed and choreographed by Kenny Ortega, who is pretty much a household name in Disney. Apart from High School Musical, he's also worked on its sequels, as well as Cheetah Girls 2, Descendants, Newsies, Hocus Pocus, and Dirty Dancing. So obviously we both really like this movie. We grew up with it and think it is excellent, or at least I do. Clearly, it resonated with kids worldwide, but not only as a kids movie and a Disney movie, but as a Disney Channel movie, it has a certain reputation. People underestimate it and perhaps just think of it as another fad of the times, when in actuality, in my eyes at least, it's a really solid, well-crafted movie. So we're here to try to take our rose-colored glasses off and see if it stands up to the test of time. And, you know, it's just as enjoyable when you're watching it as an adult. Yeah, as you mentioned, we both grew up with this movie. And I also saw it a couple more times over the years. But each time, it's been just as enjoyable. The songs just, I suppose, adding that layer of nostalgia just makes the songs even more fun. And yeah, it hasn't disappointed so far. Yeah, my experience with this movie is much more all-encompassing. <laughs> I watched this movie so many times, I can't even tell you. I really love it, and I think it's also one of the things that made me love musicals so much, which I still do to this day. So it's just so good. <laughs> I just don't even know what else to say. <laughs> That's it. End of episode. <laughs> I think everyone should watch this. I love this movie. Let's get on with it. <laughs> Speaking of loving this movie, I think lots of people tend to have very strong opinions about it, whether positive or negative. But an article I found, I think, captures the spirit of it really well. It's from Vox, and this excerpt reads, Although this plot makes very little sense, High School Musical combined zany whimsy with wink-wink nod affection for its own tropes and had a deeply earnest, if rosy, look at the pressures of high school and the thrill of teenage romance. In other words, it was pure tween bait, and looking back, it's easy to understand why the movie became an instant phenomenon. So I think this captures 
the feelings that I have towards the movie quite well because looking back on it, I have to admit the storyline is a little bit out there, which is fair enough. You know, it's aimed at a younger demographic, but it's just got this certain charm. And I think you can tell that it was just made with a lot of care. That's the sentiment that comes across. I completely agree. I think this article nails it when it says that it's really earnest. I think this movie is really heartfelt and that's why it works. It's not taking a really cynical angle. It's as if they know they're playing to an audience that doesn't have any like preconceived notions about certain genres and certain tropes. And so they're able to really put their entire heart into it and make it as not cheesy, but it's just like for the love of it. And I think that really shows and that's why it's so lovable. <laughs> On top of that I would say the movie is also just concerned with telling a good story because an issue I have with a lot of movies nowadays especially movies geared towards kids is that they're too focused on other things like you know virtue signaling or you know trying to get certain messages across in a way that really interferes with the quality of the story with high school musical they don't let the message or the intent behind the movie interfere with the quality of the story the priority is just to tell a good story with characters people can care about yeah definitely and you know maybe the cheesiness of it <laughs> appeals to us but not everybody <laughs> there's a review from the new york times that partly reads it would be unfair not to salute the movie's message about broadening one's horizons and not being limited by stereotypes or peer pressure but when an admirable message is packaged in such treacle it just makes the message seem treacly too which you know is an interesting word to use we were just talking about how great it is that the message is so well woven into the fabric of the story and the characters whereas this review clearly disagrees it is true there's going to be a certain amount of cheesiness or treacliness or whatever you <laughs> want to call it and this is something we've said in the past as well that we're not necessarily faulting certain tropes or certain characteristics that can be found in these genres it's how well you operate within them even though it might be too sweet a little bit too saccharine for adult audiences it's still got enough redeemable qualities i think that you can you can look past the treacle i think my problem with this is that i think this movie does a really great job at not doing this like it is very sweet but without the sweetness being a bad thing this is what cheese or sweetness is supposed to be this is the joy of that kind of story because whenever you see something really cheesy on screen that's done really badly it makes you cringe when what things like that should be is how it is in this movie this is what happens when it works you know it's just that chemistry it's like part of what i like about the movie and that's why i don't quite agree with this article. However, there's a different one from Variety that I agree with, and it reads, It's doubtful that show tunes will ever be cool among teens and tweens, but Disney Channel certainly makes a convincing case for the return of the musical with an original pick from Dirty Dancing's Kenny Ortega. This was written back in 2006, and that shows exactly what this movie did, because that's changed. And I'd like to think <laughs> you've got <laughs> High School Musical to thank for that. Because it's true. Show tunes weren't like on the radio and arguably they aren't 
now either. But it is much more mainstream. We're seeing more and more movie musicals that are geared towards the general public. And it's because a bunch of us grew up on this franchise. It's a musical for the lovers of musicals. So I just, I really love this sentiment that's captured in time because we see now how much of an impact it made. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's funny. Your review is from when it first came out. The article I found was actually written right when the spinoff TV show came out a few years ago. And it just goes to show the you know extent of this movie's impact. People are still talking about it. Yeah. But all right, so without further ado, let's just jump into the discussion. We'll, as always, be discussing this movie chronologically. And we start on New Year's at a ski lodge. Gabrielle and Troy, our main characters, are spending their New Year's holiday there. And for some reason, their parents just send them off to this teen party <laughs> to ring in the New Year. They get forced into doing karaoke, which like, you can't just force people to do karaoke. They act like the whole party's gonna fall apart the moment people <laughs> stop singing. They're like, if the party is to continue, we must have live music and we couldn't afford a band <laughs> or a DJ. So yeah, they spend all their budget on party hats <laughs> and that one MC. There's this one dude walking around wearing a giant cowboy hat and I bet half the party budget went into that hat. <laughs> and hey, maybe that MC guy like charges really high because he's cute in disguise exactly yes it's <laughs> quite talented at matching people up yeah he basically forces troy and gabriella onto the stage he even says you know someday you might thank me for this so he knew where it was going <laughs> he knew he had just formed a lifelong partnership maybe they didn't even hire an mc they hired like one fortune teller <laughs> and you know i'd like to think they eventually invite this mc guy to their wedding to thank him maybe he's still working at the lodge hell maybe they get married at the lodge <laughs> but these two kick off their romance with the start of something new the first song in this movie it's a little on the nose <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. it's very good actually the article i was reading i remember it looking at the song as kind of like a meta reference because it wasn't just within the story the start of something new it's also with high school musical disney did something very different compared to its previous original movies so it's almost as if the writers are heralding in a new era it might be a little bit of a reach but i thought it was you know a nice sentiment but even you know the actual song and the lyrics it moves the narrative forward and it even tells you about the characters and where they've been and what this moment means for them i quite like it it's a great song <laughs> Yeah, and as they perform, it's really nice to see Gabriella becoming more confident on stage with Troy because the more he loosens up, she kind of responds to him and does the same. And it makes it more believable that later on in the story, he would also be able to help with her stage fright because otherwise, you know, it could be a little bit of a sudden transformation. But yeah, they have an unconventional start to their relationship. They start off singing and then they get to have a proper conversation. Most 
most of the time I like to talk to people at least a few minutes before we break out into song but for them it was the other way around <laughs> yeah you know I do like that they actually bond and get to know each other and they like each other often movies just force their love interests to like each other for the sake of the movie it shouldn't be that much of an ask but watching a romantic relationship play out between two people who actually like and enjoy each other's company is somehow not the bare minimum anymore it's more satisfying when characters have a reason to like each other beyond that they find each other physically attractive and yeah like you said this movie establishes their bond pretty well because they have a reason to immediately like each other because of this semi-traumatic event <laughs> they've just been through they've been forced onto stage unprepared also throughout the movie they build on their bond really well because they have these moments where they're just talking and getting to know each other and it's all very natural they do a really good job at building on their friendship that connection it's just like there's an actual reason for them to want to spend time with each other and i buy it and you know what but considering the fact that the story doesn't even span that long a time, it makes it even more impressive that we do buy it because they just wrote it well enough. <laughs> yeah, but also like they don't even jump the gun anytime in the movie. They don't make them suddenly like declare their love or make it seem like, oh, I do anything for the other person because that's not even what's happening. It's like they're opening the other's eyes to certain possibilities within their lives. Yeah. Another thing I like in this opening scene is how awkward Troy is. Yes, <laughs> relatable. Honestly, like Gabriella is supposed to be, you know, the relatable girl, but Troy is the one I, I'm like, <laughs> I feel for you, man. He can barely talk to Gabriella. He's trying to put on this much cooler persona. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And also, it totally fits his character because the thing about him is that he's really, I don't know if he's like preoccupied with the way people see him, but it does affect him a lot. Not necessarily in a narcissistic way just in a like self-conscious way so these characters are just really consistent yeah that's actually a great point i hadn't thought about it that way but now that you mention it it does come up again later on that he is aware of how people perceive him and strives to live up to a certain image even if he might not feel like he's being himself though actually in a way i feel like this interaction is very much him but also very opposite of what we would expect this sort of cool jock person to be because he's not this, you know, confident, suave guy. He's actually, you know, quite awkward and fumbling. And even though I do think sometimes this movie does fall into the trap of stereotyping its characters a little bit with Troy especially, I think. There's a lot of nuance and they made him a really complex, well-rounded character. But, you know, we see more of awkward Troy on the first day of school. It's even funnier here because he, like, gets off the bus and all he wants to do is get to class. <laughs> and everyone's bothering him. Again, we might expect someone of his popularity to bask in it but I think he's a little bit over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But someone who's not over it is Sharpay, who is, I suppose, the antagonist in this movie. Although I think she's been unfairly stereotyped as the villain, but it's a very short introduction for each of the characters. We get a quick glimpse of Sharpay and her brother Ryan and Taylor as well, who is basically one of the nerds. <laughs> and since it's such a short introduction for each, I think it's a little bit 
bit difficult to not resort to stereotypes here because all the jocks talk about is basketball and popular girl Sharpay just struts down the hallway without saying anything and we're just supposed to infer a lot about their characters from just these little sort of cliche moments. So as I mentioned before, I think this is where the movie falls short a little in terms of characterization. Counterpoint. <laughs> yes, go on. What I do actually like about the scene is not only do we see, you know, like you said, each of them being pigeonholed, but they're in the hallway. And what we see is how they interact with one another, how they treat each other. And, you know, they have a very set perception. And that plays into, like, why Troy is so scared to share with his friends that he's interested in musical theater because of the perception they have of people who are in musical theater. And he knows this and he sees them belittling someone like Sharpay. But what I like in the scene is how they interact with each other and how much of a picture it paints. It's the intersection between all of these different groups. That really works for me. I half agree with you. I think the setting in the hallway and like you said, with them all mingling, it is a step up from the cliche, you know, high school cafeteria scene. This does give it a little bit more nuance because they are sort of reacting off of each other, but there isn't a whole lot of interaction to me because they are still you know, sticking to their groups. And like you said, a part of it is that they have these perceptions of each other that's getting in the way of them forming any sort of friendship. But even within that context, I still feel like all the characters are so involved in their particular niches that it's all they think about. In this scene, like I said, all Chad talks about pretty much, apart from taking <laughs> two seconds to insult Sharpay, all he talks about is basketball. And we see more instances of this later on in the movie as well. The jocks just talk about basketball. Sharpay just talks about theater. And they're all very interested in defending these areas as their own. And this is the main issue I have with the movie because... Obviously, in real life, people are allowed to do more than one thing, given they have the time and means for it. They have different interests that they pursue, and that is the message of the movie, I know. But in order to convey it, they portray such a heightened version of the stay-in-your-own-lane attitude that they end up, in my eyes making these characters a little bit one-dimensional, at least in the beginning. I totally get where you're coming from. I guess I just see it more as, instead of like these characters learning that, you know, people can be <laughs> into two different things or whatever. It's just that obviously they know that about themselves, but they can't see other people that way. So it's not like them growing into more developed people. It's them discovering that they can see other people that way as well. That's a really interesting take on it, actually. The idea that you know this about yourself, that, you know, you can be more than one thing, but you can't see it in others because their prevailing image is interfering with you seeing them as a complex three-dimensional human being. I think it's even more interesting that these people, especially Troy, what they care about isn't even like, oh, are the mean kids going to be mean to me? It's about, are the people I care about whose opinions matter to me, my friends, my family, are they suddenly going to see me differently? Maybe if Troy had confided in Zeke or something, <laughs> the movie would have gone a lot more differently because Zeke also has a hidden secret. <laughs> he likes 
making. It's just that if you are feeling like you can't be yourself and you confide in someone who feels the same way, surely they would encourage you to speak up. Whereas when Gabriella talks to Taylor or Troy talks to Chad, they just kind of step on their sentiments a little bit and they just shut the conversation down. And maybe it is the fact that they're exceptions and maybe they feel like they can totally be themselves and they are fully committed to this one thing. And that's fair enough. But yeah, I mean, I can see your point. I mean, I see yours too. It's even more apparent in, you know, less central characters like Miss Darbus, who we do see when Troy finally finds his way to homeroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's talking to somebody and then we hear him finish a sentence like, all I remember is pink jelly. <laughs> Like, did Troy get blackout drunk after Gabriella left him? Yep, things got real wild after karaoke. <laughs> but what really kicks off this movie actually is Gabriella enrolling in East High. And we see her like being dropped off by her mother and she's telling her mom, I don't want to be the school's freaky genius girl again. I never liked that line. Me neither. As the story goes on, we organically find out that Gabriella has this secret hidden past as a freaky genius girl. So there was no need for that to be established by her saying it out loud and her mom also talking about you know, I talked to my company and we won't get transferred again until you graduate and it's like this conversation feels like something that should have taken place around the breakfast table maybe or the night before, not three seconds before she leaves to go to class. <laughs> it's really like forced exposition, really clumsy writing. What they want to establish here is that Gabriella is really nervous about this change and being a new kid and they could have just you know shown her being nervous yeah they could have had this whole scene without any dialogue with Gabriella just looking nervously at her mom and that would have been enough people tend to underestimate how much kids can understand you know despite her misgivings she does end up walking to the lion's den aka homeroom and like I said, they made Miss Darbus so one note and she's like so clueless about sports. She tells Chad that it's not a hockey arena, so he shouldn't have his like <laughs> basketball there, which is so dumb. But I'd like to think she's fucking with them. Yeah, expressing her disdain for sports. This is her idea of a good time. That's her second hobby after musical theater is messing with students. Yeah, she's acting. <laughs> Chad is my favorite character, and in the scene, he calls Miss Darbus your honor, and it's just so funny. With Chad and with everybody else, I do like that they're all very distinct personalities. The rapport that they have with each other is also really fun to see, especially the way Troy and Chad interact. You can tell they're friends! Like, they did such a good job at making them best friends. Just like they did with Troy and Gabriella's relationship. I think they also wrote the friendships within the basketball team really well. This kind of rapport is missing from the other groups, though, because, well, I suppose Sharpay and Ryan have their own dynamic, which is quite interesting to see and later built on in the second movie I think but with the Scholastic Decathlon team it just seems like it's Taylor and then a bunch of people around her who do not speak <laughs> it's so funny because like we get a whole basketball team we even get like a whole drama club you see that they are able to kind of make these minor characters that don't necessarily take up a lot of time you know seem real but they put no effort into this Scholastic Decathlon team would it not have made sense for Martha to be a part of the decathlon team because she's established as someone who's smart. Yeah, she should have been. She also has her own secret that 
she likes dancing and would have added a bit of personality. Or like, why not just have it be Taylor? That would have been fine. If you didn't want to put that much work into the team, then don't. Then don't. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like they could have changed out every single actor in every shot and I would not yeah. have noticed. I kid you not, I checked if they did that. <laughs> they could have put a potted plant there and it would have played the same role. Right? So during homeroom, Troy and Gabriella realize that they go to the same school. So once the bell rings, they find each other and... He sort of tags along while Gabriella's looking around the school. You know, I actually think it's so weird the way they finish each other's sentences when they first meet up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they pulled it off well enough for it to be natural. It was one of the more contrived interactions between them. Yeah, because everything else is so believable, so. Yeah. The way he whispers, it's like, again, it shows how much Troy cares about what his friends think about him. And, okay, I've always thought this was weird, but I don't think he should be hiding the fact that he's hitting on the new girl. Like, <laughs> he's popular, he wants to get with a pretty girl. I don't think that's, like, incriminating. Just because you're talking to her doesn't mean you're into <laughs> musical in theater. Music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course, musical theater is, quote, for men. But yeah, it's just so weird. <laughs> Although, we learned later on that this is a, an unusual path of the being track for Troy because he doesn't talk to new kids. We keep finding out these things about him that's like he seems very both isolated and you know he keeps himself. I think maybe he just subconsciously associates Gabriella with him singing. Exactly. So much so that he's afraid somehow everyone will find out that they were singing during the holiday. But actually that's an interesting point that you bring up. You're right, Sharpay does tell Gabriella that normally Troy doesn't interact with the new kids and that kind of makes him sound like he's a little bit stuck up or like he's too popular to be talking to newbies like you. But we see from the very beginning that he's just actually really awkward. So I can see why he wouldn't go out of his way to talk to new people. But it's interesting the way that we see him as the audience, the real him, and the way that he's perceived by his peers. Because I don't think Sharpay sees him as someone who's not interacting with people because he's awkward. She's like, he's better things to do. You know, he's a basketball star. He doesn't have time for peasants such as yourself, Gabriella. <laughs> We finally get a little bit more Sharpay. They stop by the sign-up sheet for the spring musical. <laughs> and Sharpay... She pops up from behind the sign-up sheet. Like she's just <laughs> yeah. been hiding there all along. <laughs> she's there to scare off anyone who's gonna like <laughs> sign up for the paired auditions. Actually, you mentioned this when we were watching. But like she must have like practiced her feature autograph. Yeah, she signs that thing like she's signing an autograph. It's so dramatic and so fun. <laughs> it really informs her character and like her ambition. This is one of the movie's stronger points where compared to the scene with Gabriella and her mom, for instance, this little moment where she just signs her name on the sign-up sheet, it conveys so much about Sharpay without saying anything. Mm -hmm. This is where I think Gabriella's characterization and the weaknesses in it really shows up when you contrast it with characters like Troy and Sharpay. Following this is Gabriella. She like gives Sharpay the smile and she says, nice penmanship. The look she gives here, it's like she's so amused by Sharpay's <laughs> antics. I guess that's what makes Gabriella more interesting compared to her peers in the school is that she doesn't necessarily buy into this 
whole thing about having to stick to one thing. She's really understanding about Troy caring about his image. Like she never forces him to do things that he would be uncomfortable with. And she gauges the fact that his friends might not be the most supportive of him pursuing uh, this thing besides basketball. She becomes like a really good friend and confidant to Troy who's under so much pressure. While she's so understanding, she also doesn't buy into it. And she's, I think she's more self-aware or like she's just more aware of the issues with this attitude than the other characters. But I guess what stands in the way of her leading this revolution of sorts is that she doesn't want to stick out. She wants to maintain a low profile. But we see a little bit more of what Troy's life is like at basketball practice. And I really like this scene because Troy even tests the waters with Chad, making excuses for possibly auditioning, saying he might get extra credit or something. And it's clear he seriously wants to do this. He suddenly discovered a new passion and really worried about what his peers think of him. I wonder, honestly, what it would be like if Chad was a little more supportive, even if like everyone else isn't. I think it would have been fun to see a version of things go down where everyone's really weird about Troy trying out singing in chat, unapologetically cheering him on and trash talking everyone else, criticizing his best friend. And he even makes like t-shirts in support of Troy. <laughs> I think this is how things would have gone down if Troy had confided in Zeke instead. <laughs> But yeah, Chad's and everyone else's, their view of identity is very much that of a young person's where you think you want to just do one thing. You know, you have that dream, like a dream job or whatever, and that means you can't be anything else. He's talking about how LeBron James did an audition for their school musical. And it's like, the reality of life is that you will do so many different things for one reason or another. When you're that young, it's hard to unlearn or even to imagine ever going down so many different paths. Yeah, and I think the naivete of some Someone who is Chad's age really comes through in the fact that he is comparing Troy wanting to try an audition for the school musical with a full-grown man who has already established a career for himself. And who knows the paths that he took to get there, you know? He might as well have auditioned for his school musical and he might not be broadcasting it, but you never know. And it's just, it's such a simplistic view of life. And I think it's well-written for a character that age, especially because of the way society Society is really you're really discouraged from taking your time and figuring out what you want to do and trying different things and so I think this is a pretty sad but accurate reflection of society's view on what you should be doing with your life. It's really interesting too, the example that he goes with, because like so many athletes do kind of start out in performing and things like musical theater or like dance or whatever, it can help you in other aspects of your life, especially as an athlete. It's just, I really buy that this character is really interested in theater and he's this great athlete. I think it definitely meshes. Yeah, and we see this later on as well, right? When Troy is talking to Kelsey and he comes up with this analogy of her being the playmaker and you can see that there are some parallels and to be fair I mean even if there was no correlation I think it makes even more sense for someone to be interested in something that's completely separate from their field because sometimes you just need a break you know <laughs> yeah but 
on the subject of basketball being a performance, we get get your head in the game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As a musical number, it's great. I think it does a great job of showing the pressure Troy is under, how he's been taught to focus on one thing and one thing only, and suddenly he's quote-unquote distracted by this new path he's found he likes. And it's this push and pull between the different things in his life. And using all of these basketball terminologies to instead talk about his life and the path that he's on he's really trying to remind himself okay remember what coach says you have to do this and you have to do this and this is the strategy that you've been taught and then he slips into talking about singing instead or whatever else and he's like no no no, no. go back go back get your head in the game as in the actual game but also like this path that's been carved for him in his life yeah I also enjoy the choreography a lot Troy being surrounded by all of these players how he's in the spotlight it feels like everyone's watching him and closing in on him it feels very claustrophobic and overwhelming and at the end when everyone else leaves the court first and Troy's left alone it's like he's being left behind everyone's on this train that's going 100 miles an hour and Troy's suddenly reconsidering if this is the one track lane he even wants to be on yeah okay I have to admit that is a really great reading of this song. I do like that it's one of the few that doesn't actually take place on stage because a lot of the songs are part of performances within the movie. Whereas this one very much takes place, if you will, in the complete opposite venue in a basketball court. It takes place in Troy's domain because that is very much what he's restricted to in this moment. I think it's a nice contrast that he makes this journey basically from the basketball court to the stage. That's interesting, yeah. The next time we see Troy is when he's checking the sign-up sheet. Ryan sees him and he and Sharpay are really worried at this point because this is the second time they've seen Troy lurking about the sign-up sheet. So Sharpay decides to do a little digging on Gabriella and finds out that at her previous school she was known as this genius girl, <laughs> an Einsteinette as Ryan calls her which is like yeah, there's like a picture of her holding like a trophy or something and it's like you win one thing and people won't let it go <laughs> maybe Troy has just literally made one basket and they're like basketball star yeah in the same vein it's like Troy sang one song and now <laughs> I actually really like Ryan's character as well, and especially when we get to know him better in the later movies. But even here, I like that his dynamic with Sharpay is not only that he kisses the ground she walks on, but you see these moments where he like rolls his eyes at her and he obviously cares about her, but even though he's like portrayed as not the brightest bulb in the shed and whatnot, but I don't know, I like the little like glimpses we get of him actually like he, he is aware that Sharpay can be a little much. And I like that their dynamic is established really early on, as early as the first glimpse we get of Sharpay where she's just walking down the hallway and nothing more but she's the one barreling through the crowd right in the center while he takes a sort of side route around the people and I think just that little bit speaks a lot to their individual characters and this dynamic where she's always the one who's got to be in the spotlight at the forefront and he's sort of tagging along behind her this dynamic stays really consistent throughout this movie and it's built on in the next movie where Ryan finally starts to come out of his shell a little bit more and it's just really nice to see this consistency and development we find out 
that Sharpay has put this article about our little Einsteinette into Taylor's locker in the next scene when they have detention. So Taylor approaches Gabriella and basically pitches the decathlon team to her so that she'll join and, you know, deter Gabriella from signing up for the musical. She's trying to distract her with another shiny <laughs> thing. And Sharpay's over-the-top dramatic demeanor is really well-balanced by the other characters. I think it would have been too caricaturish if they had all been this heightened version of themselves, like you sort of see on Disney shows, for example, where they're all, they have this one personality trait that's very concentrated, but the characters here come off more grounded. Yeah. We get my favorite Troy and Chad moment, which is when they're working on a tree and Chad is asleep in the the tree and Troy <laughs> is up on the branches and he dangles a leaf on a string and like bothers his friend with it. Yeah, it's the little moments like this that really make their friendship even more believable. It's also a moment of respite where, you know, it's not just action, action, action. It's these fun things in the middle where you get to see the characters interact in a natural environment and it just reveals more about their characters as well. For sure, it lets the character and the story breathe. I think the pacing of this movie is excellent but yeah this leads into my favorite line of the movie what the hell are those two doing in a tree <laughs> yes and this is spoken by the basketball coach also troy's dad in case we haven't mentioned but he is incensed because troy and chad have missed basketball practice because they're in detention he and mr arbus have kind of had this whole <laughs> rivalry going on <laughs> and they go to the principal to sort this out but you know this whole treatment of arts versus sports is very real. The preferential treatment, even the principal having basketballs in his office, specifically basketball trophies on display. Right. These schools are treating sports differently because it earns them certain things, whether it be funds or prestige. And this fucking principal even has what looks like strategy for basketball games on his whiteboard. Again, this movie is very much pouring out its love for the arts, painting a picture of how little support it has especially in schools. That's a great observation, actually. I mean, of course, the rift between sports and arts is very obvious here, but what I get from this scene is that Troy's dad is very much invested in his basketball career, and I think it becomes really apparent in this scene because he doesn't see Troy as a student who might have done something wrong in class, and that's why he ended up in detention. He just sees him as a star basketball player who needs to be in practice. If you look at it from a parent's point of view, it's like you're letting your kid off, and even if he's done something wrong, you're not letting him face the consequences of his actions, which isn't great parenting because you're so focused on his career path as a basketball player. And it just goes to show that Troy truly is surrounded by people who only see him for his basketball skills, even his own dad. And I think this is definitely built on even further in the next scene when Troy is trying to talk to his dad about, you know, his dilemma, but all his dad can think about all his dad can talk about is basketball. It's so frustrating. 
the way it's phrased, it's very much like a kid asking their father advice on, you know, how to navigate life. But I actually think this conversation is really interesting. Again, like you said, the dad is telling him to focus on basketball, but he's actually still giving him good advice about friends. He said like, your friends are not being your friends if they judge you. But they also talk about the potential scholarship Troy might get. I feel like part of it is also that the dad is under this pressure. He might not be able to afford to send Troy to some big shot school. He has this really talented kid and he doesn't want his inability to fund certain things to limit him and I think this is definitely it's not the case like because we do kind of see that I think his family can probably afford it but if we were to buy into this it is a really interesting conflict fueling his actions I just like how those few lines inform maybe his dad's position and their past conversations I agree with you that it's it's shitty that the dad can't like <laughs> take a second to just be a parent but you know this is also like one of the worries of a parent. It's an interesting layer, I think. What I do see is a parent who, yes, is coming from a good place. But what I also see is someone who is trying to live vicariously through his child and perhaps also have his child replicate the same success, if not surpass his success that he previously had. Yeah. In the next scene, Chad is trying to spend time with his bestie <laughs> but Troy is trying to escape because he wants to go see the auditions and Chad is all suspicious and he follows him and it's this whole sequence of Chad chasing Troy through the school and it's so well blocked and choreographed. I have to say though I have no idea how Troy escapes because at one point his dad sees him but when the dad like runs the corner he's gone and I have no idea how he escaped. Unless he has powers of invisibility. <laughs> Gabriella must too. Yeah, later on we'll see her use it. So Troy eventually manages to ditch Chad and arrive at the auditions. And <laughs> it's really funny because he's wheeling this janitor's cart around and hiding his face behind the mop. And once again, it's just so in line with his character because even though he's so far away from where his friends could see him, he's still worried about someone seeing him and judging him it's a very human emotion i guess wanting to belong yeah especially in this time in your lives i can totally understand why he's so self-conscious mm -hmm. i actually love that part where gabriella shows up and she questions why he's hiding she asks him if he's afraid and he's like i'm not afraid i'm scared <laughs> yeah that's very different <laughs> <laughs> and it's clear that Troy is very comfortable with Gabriella. He's found a friend in her. Yes. The fact that he's surrounded by his friends who don't really understand where he's coming from. His dad is much too focused on other things to really listen to what he's saying. So I think Gabriella's the only one right now that he can really talk to and who can relate to his struggles, which makes it all the more believable that they would share a bond. Yeah, that they would seek each other out. After Sharpay and Ryan finish their performance, Miss Darbus calls for anyone else who might want to audition. But by the time Gabriella gathers her courage and decides to pop out and volunteer, it's already too late. Darbus refuses to let her audition even when Troy says that he will audition with her so that they can do the pair's auditions. Darbus leaves and Kelsey just trips over thin air. <laughs> 
I do really like how Troy immediately goes up and helps her and they show that he's a nice friendly guy. He is personable. You get why people like him. And this is the sad part because he's actually a really nice guy and I'm betting that's why people like him. But later on in a scene with Gabriella, he expresses this sentiment that implies people only like him because he's good at basketball. <laughs> he says something like, you know, people will only like him as long as they keep winning that next game and if they lose that they won't feel the same way about him anymore and it's so sad that he doesn't see himself very clearly i think that for one people do just see him as the basketball guy like their their perception of him is so one note but not only that, but because he is this basketball star and with the culture around the school and especially with athletes, they're put on such a high pedestal that it's this double-edged sword because like with the detention thing, you get away with certain things because people don't care as long as you win that next game. They don't care that you're a fuck-up in other ways because they just want their team to win because with sports teams, everyone has a certain feel of ownership towards this team and the wins and the losses and everything it's such like a heightened experience as long as you win that next game you're a god to them but as soon as you don't the backlash is on you all of that pressure is on you and i think that's a really interesting thing that troy is dealing with here in this movie and the fact that gabriella can understand that in an instant as long as she sees what his role is in this environment i think they did a really good job with it that's a great point and i think that just makes everything even sadder because I guess even though we as the audience can see that Troy is a great person, his image is obscured by his talent for the rest of his peers because all they see is the basketball star. Watching this as an adult, Gabriela is like her most interesting thing is her understanding of Troy. There's so much compassion in the way she treats Troy. I think it would have been even more interesting if they had dug into the reason that she has this compassion a little bit more because we get this backstory of hers that she was pigeonholed as this genius girl in her last school. So it makes sense why she's sick of this sort of thinking and why she would want to have the freedom to build her own identity. And when she meets someone who's going through the same thing, it totally makes sense why they would relate to each other. I just wish we had seen her disdain for this a little bit more and just independent of Troy. Just her on her own fighting this insistence of her peers but we were with Kelsey they talk about like being a playmaker and you know again I've already said Troy is very personable but he's also good at connecting with people and finding common interests and he manages to make that person feel special and listened to and understood which is a very unique trait I think whether he does it intentionally or not he is very charismatic well <laughs> when he's not being awkward <laughs> The fact that he uses the playmaker analogy to encourage Kelsey in her own domain is such a great way of showing that one interest doesn't have to undermine the other. We talked about this before, how the two things can be complementary. He already knows this. It's inside of him that these things can coexist. They wrap up their little singing session because Kelsey prompts them to try out the song. And Darbus has been listening this whole time. Miss Darbus actually tells them that they've got a callback because they sound amazing and she's probably kicking herself. <laughs> but this news rocks the school. There's total uproar. We immediately hear 
the start of stick to the status quo. It's set in this cafeteria and this is when it hit me. This movie is definitely shot and blocked and choreographed entirely like a stage musical. Even, you know, going back to the first day when Troy arrives, the blocking is very much like a stage show and especially here in status quo, the cafeteria is a great stage set. I love the way they use the vertical space as well because they have Sharpay looking over her kingdom, if you will, surveying chaos <laughs> and planning what her next move is going to be. But this number especially really proves that this movie is about people's perceptions of you and that's what's shaping what you can or cannot do and it's not about whether or not you have it in yourself to be more than just one thing. I like this scene because you can tell that even though it wasn't apparent that there are lots of other people apart from Troy and Gabriella who feel the same way. Now that everyone knows about Troy's thing, they're feeling more courageous about being forthright about other aspects of their personality. It's just, I suppose it's been done to contrast the characters like Taylor and Gabriella and Chad and Troy, which is fine, but the way they're written sometimes makes them seem a little bit robotic. Yeah. In the beginning, even before the actual musical number starts, they've got strains of stick to the status quo playing in the background. It's such a great way to build tension, punctuate the fact that she's about to have a meltdown and that basically shit is about to go down. And also, I really love the way the dancing spreads from one table to the next, like it's wildfire until, you know, we reach the climax of the song and the whole cafeteria joins in. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, news is spreading about Troy and infecting all of these people to finally destroy certain perceptions of who they are and all that. And yeah, it's really well done. I love it. That's a great reading. To me, in this scene, it became really apparent that it wasn't only the jock's narrow mindset or the popular people's narrow mindset that was being challenged. It's also the nerds and the theater kids because it's not just Sharpay who looks down on people or Troy supposedly being the popular guy not wanting to associate with people who are not on his level or whatever. It's also Taylor who looks down on others. You know, she says stuff like, you need to speak cheerleader or... Chad is saying things like the drama geeks and brainiacs think they can talk to us now. And it's like everyone has these narrow perceptions of everyone else. It's ironically the one thing they all seem to have in common is that they're all prejudiced about each other. And this is the part where all the walls are being broken down. And I really like that it's not just one group that's being championed and another one that's being criticized. It's everybody. And in this way, the high school sort of functions as a microcosm for society as a whole. Yeah, but this number ends with Gabriella slipping on milk and dropping a bunch of cheese fries onto Sharpay. And I hate it. It just feels like such a convoluted sequence of events to happen. It plants the seed into Mr. Arbus's mind that Gabriella has malicious intent towards Sharpay so that it will fuel her later actions. But I don't think this was needed. Yeah, I agree. Also, there's a part where like Troy starts to go towards Gabriella to like help her or something. I'm like, what could you have done, Troy? <laughs> Obviously, he's got superhuman abilities 
Ah. He's gonna like invisible the invisibilize her. <laughs> the cheese fries. I thought he was gonna invisibilize Gabriella. Get her out of there. In the aftermath of the cafeteria scene and all the chaos, Troy and Gabriella rendezvous on the rooftop garden. And it's just such a nice contrast to everything that's just happened. It's just so nice that they talk and they agree on what they're going to do next whether they're going to do the callbacks or not and they listen to each other's worries and give each other some encouragement it's such a real relationship and friendship it all feels so natural yeah and gabriella talking about how getting to know troy has been like getting to know someone in kindergarten that line is so sweet like to me that was just like the height of romance and it still is because as you grow older finding someone that just clicks with you so instantly and so easily is lightning in a bottle you also come to understand why they're trying so hard to hold on to this connection because it's become so hard for them to find someone that they so easily gel with. Yeah, I think this movie has established pretty well that Troy and Gabriella only really have each other at this point to express these anxieties to. And I think the kindergarten thing, it's also advocating for that simplistic viewpoint that you have when you're younger because you don't really have enough life experience or enough anything really to judge anyone when you're that young you don't look at someone with a basketball and think that must be their whole life you know (laughs) and that slowly disappears the older you get and the more difficult it becomes to just be yourself i think this is a really great analogy really that Gabriella and Troy feel so comfortable around each other that it's effortless and it's just like being seen the way that you would be if you were a kid and it's a really sweet sentiment. It's that innocence as well. I think the fact that this scene pretty much directly follows the cafeteria scene and the fact that Gabriella and Troy seek each other out just goes to show that they're really each other's oasis at this point. But they decide to go on with the callback and we see a whole montage of them, you know, rehearsing. She's practicing, I guess, in the women's bathroom and Sharpay hears her and checks it out. And like she checks the stalls and no one's there and then she passes by the exact nook that Gabriella is hiding in and she doesn't see her she's right there i don't understand how she doesn't see gabriella it's so stupid she has no peripheral vision i guess sharpay not only has a one-track mind but also tunnel vision in so many ways (laughs) she only sees the stage and the stage alone (laughs) all of this leads to troy missing practice because he's too busy rehearsing Troy tries to make up for it by practicing after everybody else and Gabriella stops by to say hello and they mess around a little bit and the dad catches them and sends Gabriella on her way. And I know I said that the conversation between them earlier was really interesting, but this one is my favorite, I think. It's not that out there to think that the dad thinks that his kid is losing focus and maybe getting distracted by a girl. Like, that's a very, you know, like, common thing to happen to somebody his age. And in a way, like, he's also trying to teach his kid about commitment and things get a little muddled where he's too clouded by his pride for Troy. I think partly it's also like the dad is suddenly discovering this new side of his kid and he like doesn't understand it. It's so dissonant from his idea of Troy and it's really interesting when parents discover that kind of thing. It's a scene where they 
are really frank with each other, especially Troy. Because this whole time, he's kind of been just going with the flow and letting people guide him where they want to. And here, he finally kind of shows his dad that it is getting to him a little bit. I think, yeah, definitely this scene is the first time his dad is confronted with the very real possibility that basketball isn't the only thing in Troy's life. And that sounds funny, but it's like you said, the parent discovering something completely new and not just that but also basketball is not just something that Troy loves it's something that both Troy and his dad love it's how they connect it's how they communicate it's the entire basis of their relationship and to find that that's not the most important thing in your kid's life anymore maybe it's sort of symbolic of your kid is not only distancing himself from your common interest they're distancing themselves from you i can definitely see that he's coming from a place of good intentions like you said i also read it that way i just think he's really bad at figuring out what to do about it because there's a scene where troy is really frustrated and his dad is just watching him from a distance and you can tell that he's having a hard time but the dad just doesn't do anything it just shows the basketball seems to be the only point of connection they have so maybe there's that how am i going to connect with my kid that's a great point that it's also about him contending with the fact that his kid is growing up that there will be influences that i can't control good or bad that's a big realization as a parent yeah and this is something we see in other stories as well i guess it's usually framed in terms of the kid making new friendships getting into new relationships but in this case it's troy discovering bisexuality musical theater (laughs) come on if there's anything that's supposed to be a thinly veiled message about like queerness or whatever it's gonna be musical theater (laughs) (laughs) i can't deny it but here we come to when chad confronts Troy in the library. Chad is trying to explain to Troy why being in musical theater is a bad idea. This is an aspect of High School Musical that I love. The fact that this is a musical partly starring people who hate musicals, mocking musicals, except that the actual musical isn't looking down on musicals. It's very much a love letter to musicals. It just so happens the characters are making fun of musicals. It's just so good. Also just the irony of characters singing and dancing about how they don't sing and dance is just beautiful. But I have to say, the logic Chad uses to try and convince Troy is just so flawed. I really love it because it's like he's implying the only way for Troy to find success is to pursue basketball. And he'll be a failure stuck inside someone's fridge if he goes into musical theater. And I feel like it's a good way of showing the absurdity of this kind of thinking. Because we explored the conflict between arts and sports before. Because lack of funding for one is a real issue in a lot of places but there's also you know this prevailing idea that the arts are not a sustainable income source should you choose to pursue them as a career the way that they wrote this logic i think it just pokes fun at this kind of thinking a little bit and highlights the absurdity of it because there's no sure way to find success in anything really your success is dependent on a lot of different factors Yeah, it's also really funny because it's like the most successful musicals of all time. (laughs) Despite Chad's best efforts, Troy just really isn't convinced. So Chad and Taylor hatch a plan to get Troy and Gabriella to give up 
on the callbacks. And they sort of provoke Troy into saying these things about musical theater and Gabriella. And they record the whole thing and they happen to broadcast it to Gabriella. It comes off as really mean and not only that, but really selfish. They want their respective teams to win. That's literally what it is. Chad isn't doing this because I want what's best for Troy. I know that he will be really happy with the team and it's not that he's misled into this belief. He's honestly just like, I need this team to win so I need Troy to win us this trophy and Taylor's the same way. I think this is like the misconception I had when I was younger. I thought it came from like wanting these two to kind of snap out of it faster than they would have otherwise except that's not what it is. What's even worse is that they're using the excuse of helping their friend because I think they do express that at some point but it's clear that that's not where this is coming from. You're right. The only redeeming thing is that they realize their mistake pretty quickly when they see how hurt Troy and Gabriella are and they own up to it really quickly as well and they apologize for what they've done. Yes, and the way they apologize is also not like I meant to help you and I was wrong about the way I helped you. Not even that. They literally admit to it having never been about the interests of Troy and Gabriella. It was totally selfish and they own up to it and I honestly really like that. Yeah, and Chad and Taylor can see firsthand what their really narrow viewpoint has done, that it's had real consequences on people that they care about. I think this is actually a great catalyst for them becoming more supportive because I think otherwise it might have been a little bit unrealistic. I wouldn't have expected them to change their viewpoints so easily, but because it's people that they care about, it becomes believable that they're led to reevaluate their perspective. Yeah, you're right. And this is when we get Gabriella's solo. The only thing I have to say about this scene is I specifically love the line because I liked the view. This whole idea that she's been distracted by the way things seem on the surface. It's a sad realization to find out that you were wrong about somebody. And she like admits it to herself that I did feed into this delusion, you know. And that's such a sad, honest confession. Which is ironic, really. The fact that she's feeling this way because she's really the only one who knows Troy for who he really yeah. is. So the fact that she thinks it was all just in her head and she was the one on the surface level. No, she's the one who actually sees beyond the surface. That's funny. The fact that she's singing this while retracing her steps throughout the school makes it more melancholic because she's gotten to know Troy in this school. They've had pretty much all of their interactions in these hallways and it's almost like she's going over those previous interactions and seeing them in a new light. And there's just such a hint of sadness in these completely empty halls, I guess, that are usually bustling with people. There's just some spaces that you're not used to seeing empty and it just feels really unnatural. And I think it makes quite a powerful statement to have Gabriella wander these empty halls like that. And I think the people who think this song is boring, what they really mean is that it's not as upbeat and action-filled as some of the other numbers, but I think the movie at this point needed a little bit of a reprieve. And it's it's a nice change of pace to me. It does a great job of conveying Gabriella's disappointment and hurt. It humanizes the characters even more to me. Yeah, the only thing I hate about this scene is Gabriella's belt. <laughs> yeah. 
But what this means for Gabriela is she ends up brushing Troy off in the next scene and canceling the callback. I don't particularly like this scene between Troy and Gabriela. While I understand her decision to not do the callbacks, this whole conflict between them just seems a little bit contrived because she doesn't let him speak. So it just seems like a forced miscommunication between them because... All of a sudden, from Troy's perspective, Gabriella is backing out for no reason and she stopped talking to him for no reason. She could have just confronted him about what he said because even if he didn't mean it, the things he said were hurtful. And I think that's a valid enough reason for Gabriella to back out because it still shattered her image of who he is as a person. I think they just wanted to make it more dramatic where Troy doesn't know the reason and he's all confused and... It just feels too cliche for me. I actually don't disagree with you entirely. The part that I do like about it is Gabriella is doing this because she's just shutting him out. She's like hurt, right? By this assumed deception. And she already knows at this point, or like she thinks she knows that he's been lying to her this whole time. Like what's stopping him from doing it again? And we know because of the later scenes, like her way of dealing with things is kind of like when Taylor apologizes and she just wants to move on. She's like, this is over now. I would like to move on, please. (laughs) At the very least, I do think it's believable on her part. I can see your point. It definitely is consistent with her character and the way she deals with conflict. What might be less believable is if I were Troy, I would push a little harder. (laughs) But once he finds out what's happening, he goes to talk to Gabriella to apologize and explain. How do we feel about Troy's apology? I think it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) My first instinct is to be like, make him grovel a little bit more because what he said was awful. But then I realized, like, he is straight up saying he knows what he said is awful and that's why he said it because he knew that that was the only thing that would get him out of there. So I'm conflicted. As long as he apologized for hurting her feelings, I guess. Even inadvertently. He made the effort, I guess. He climbed all the way up to the balcony. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay whatever they get back together because Troy serenades her and blah 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 I suppose that was kind of sweet he reminded her why they got into this in the first place it's enough to convince Gabriella at least and they decide to do the callbacks and so they start rehearsing again and Sharpay and Ryan approach Miss Darbus to change the date of the callbacks now this part is really confusing to me because why is Miss Darvis so easily convinced? I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Okay, so I think what you're missing here is that Miss Darvis is in on the sabotage. Because like this whole time, Miss Darvis doesn't understand why suddenly Troy and Gabriella want to be in the musical. Because she's been confronting the coach because she thinks they're trying to sabotage her, right? They're trying to like make a mockery of the musicale. So when this opportunity presents itself to keep Troy and Gabriella from auditioning, she jumps at it. It was just like, dude, you're such a bad teacher. I was suspecting it, but then I was like, nah, she's not gonna, she's not gonna stoop that low. But well, in a way I do like it because it just goes to show that you can have these narrow perceptions at any age because she's also, you know, protecting her territory from people she believes to be outsiders. She also can't look past Troy's image and you're not immune to that kind of thinking no matter what age you are. And Troy's dad falls into that trap as well. It's proof that it's not just a product of immaturity necessarily. But yeah, they discovered that the callbacks are now on the same day as the decathlon 
and the championship game, so... At the same time as well. Things aren't looking good, but since everyone's friends now, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> they hatch another scheme, a good one this time. <laughs> okay, so the day has dawned. <laughs> Let's focus on Troy. He's in the locker room, and the dad comes in, and he's giving this pep talk but surprisingly the dad is being really encouraging and it's such a touching moment and i really like it perhaps he's seen now that there are other sides to his kid the one line i caught is when he tells troy that i wish i could suit up and play alongside you and that really cemented not only that his dad sort of maybe wants to return to his heyday and has this degree of wish fulfillment but it's this thing through which he connects with his son i think the sentiment is really great that he just wants his son to go out there and have fun but i think it's just him not wanting to lose this one connection that he has in the subtext asking him i hope you keep loving the sport as much as i do you know and and in a ways i hope you keep loving me yeah in a way no yeah definitely it goes to show that this whole time it's not that his dad cares about how many championships he wins. It's that connection with his son and he doesn't want to lose it. While all this is going down, Sharpay and Ryan are doing their audition and they're doing Bop to the Top. It is indeed a bop. The original bop, if you will. <laughs> the founding bop. <laughs> But of course, after these two knock everyone's socks off, it's Troy and Gabriella's turn. However, they are in their respective events. But the plan that they've devised is, you know, 2006's version of hacking. <laughs> <laughs> so Gabriella and Troy slip off to the auditions. And everybody from the game and from the decathlon follow them and become their audience while they're auditioning. We get to see the performance they've been rehearsing for all along, which is breaking free. Yeah, I really like this performance, but my favorite part of it is actually when we see the parents see them on stage. You know, they finally see their kids shine. Both of them have such set ideas of their kids. Not necessarily, you know, anything negative just like oh Gabriella is this book smart girl who's a little shy and keeps to herself and really nervous about public speaking and starting at a new school blah 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 and suddenly seeing that kid flourish on stage and then the dad also seeing that you know Jarvis was right oh my god my kid can sing my kid likes singing my kid likes performing it's just like such a moment and I loved it it was an important moment to show for the first time like it's in front of them now tangible and it's different than what they expect but it's real it's nice to see everyone in the audience as well be really supportive of troy and gabriella it's a little on the cheesy side with you know everyone's cool with it all of a sudden <laughs> but yeah but we, we get a little bit of movie magic and we transition into our final number we're all in this together and they're in the basketball court and we see sharpe kind of wishing them the best and we see taylor and chad apparently is gonna go on a date i do like the ending it ties things up nicely initially i was thinking that get your head in the game might have been the weakest song but actually i don't know maybe it is this one for me because this is the one that's the most explicit with the movie's message this performance verges a little bit on the side of cheesy for me but because the movie has done such a good job of avoiding these other cliches that you would normally see in this kind of format i think it's forgivable 
to have a little bit of cheese, especially because, you know, this is a movie targeted towards kids. So of course you want to have like a, a cheerful, fun, bright ending. Actually, now that I think about it, it's the one that's least intertwined with the narrative. It's a nice cap, but otherwise... Even if it doesn't have the nuance to it as the story has had so far, it's okay, I guess, to just have a number for fun. And it's just something lighthearted to end on. So... In absurd conclusion, Troy and Gabriella have powers of invisibility. Yes. <laughs> All right. So what are our opinions on this movie now that we've discussed it at length? I've always liked this movie. And now I have a lot of reasons why. <laughs> I guess before I didn't really give it that much thought. It was just a fun movie and I enjoyed it. But now that we've looked at it in so much detail, I think it's definitely become cemented in my mind as... A really good movie and I definitely encourage anyone to give it a try even if they don't fall into the target demographic because there's a lot to take away. It might fall a little bit on the cheesy side depending on your cheese tolerance <laughs> but overall it's a well-crafted story and you can tell that it was put together with a lot of care. So yes I like this movie and I recommend it. I have similar thoughts. I've always liked it and my opinions have not changed. I like it even more now. I think it's a great musical. I think it's a great movie. I think it's a great story. I very much recommend this movie to people who did see this as kids and like have never revisited it. I would highly recommend doing that because it is really fun to revisit. Not only that, but also to see that it's actually a good movie and it wasn't like just because you were young and you didn't know what bad movies were. <laughs> it's great. Please watch it. <laughs> Next time, we have something special planned. For the whole month of October, we will be exclusively watching, well, not horror movies because <laughs> we scare easy, but we'll be watching some scary movies. And the first one will be the Jurassic Park franchise. We did say we scare easy. I'm quite excited for that one. If you have thoughts to share on the movie, send them in at graveyard underscore slot on Twitter and Instagram or email us at thegraveyardslot at gmail.com so we can share on the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review. Thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next episode of The Graveyard Slot. <laughs>